When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, it is good to be with you again for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Tim Wright here coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, along with Dr. Michael Gurian coming to us from Spokane, Washington. And uh, we are just coming, as we record this, we're, we're officially into the fall because we have passed uh, September 22nd, I think is fall. Is that right? Or 21st, something like that. Yep. Uh, and you're listening to this probably sometime in uh, October, so we're glad you're joining us today. Uh, back in December of 2021, uh, my wife went in for a PET scan, and or actually an MRI. We got a call from the doctor 30 minutes later, get in and see me right away, and they found some cancer in her back. And after several more tests, they found cancer in other places, and long story short, uh, the good news is, even though it's not curable, it's treatable. But we have been through now uh, seven, eight months of walking through chemotherapy and and other things. And uh, one of the the things that became important for us was how do we talk about this with our grandchildren, and how do we help our children? Let's say, from my kids' perspective, how do they help their kids deal with a potentially difficult, challenging illness? Uh, and uh, how do we help our kids move through what can be just a, a really difficult time for them? So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, it, it's been a while, Michael. I think we talked about how to help our kids handle the death of mm. someone they love, uh, but this is a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, death is kind of that moment you have to live through it, but maybe a long-term illness or a life-threatening illness, that even if it's just a few months. We're going to talk about how to help our kids uh, get through that. But first, we want to say a special thanks to our sponsors who make it possible for us uh, to be with you today. Uh, I want to uh, say a special thanks, as as we always do, to Dr. Greg Jantz and his great team up in the Seattle area, uh, the Center of Place of Hope. And they do long-term stuff, but uh, Greg also has uh, a lot of really good books out and encourage you to uh, go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and you'll find a link to that uh, great organization. You'll also find resources there. Uh, Michael, in particular, has written a lot of resources. He and I have put some rites of passage together. Uh, I want to highlight a book we highlighted a few weeks ago called Stone Boys, which is based on Michael's experience, uh, having uh, been through uh, sexual trauma in his life, and he wrote a novel about it. And it, what makes it unique is that there aren't many books on this topic that are written from a male perspective. And it's it's uh, an important read uh, for our, our families to go through uh, to get some tools, to get some insights into how to have conversations about what can be a very, very difficult subject. And there is a link to Stone Boys on that page, wonderofparenting.com, or it's available on Amazon. It's called The Stone Boys by Dr. Michael Gurian. 
and uh, I highly recommend it for, uh, it's kind of uh, like high school, young adult book, uh, maybe a little younger. And it's one certainly that you'll want to read with your kids as you go through that. So, uh, Michael, you want to thank our good friend uh, Marion and his organization as well. Yep. And thank you for those words. And uh, Marion Hill is the founder of Man Cave. So our other sponsor is Man Cave, um, which stands for Men Need to Be Caring, Actively Engaged, Vested and Encouraged, Man Cave. And it's a fatherhood program, so a nurturing fathers program out of Phoenix, uh, if you go to wonderaparenting.com, you can you'll see it immediately. You'll see a PDF about what's what it's about, how to access it. And even though it's located in Phoenix, um, it's still nationwide because of yep. Zoom and, and all of these other um, great innovations. So if you know a father, you are a father and you're looking for a really neat nurturing fathers program, go to wonderaparenting.com and check out Man Cave. So let's talk a little bit about helping our kids get through um, the trauma of uh, hearing that someone they love, it could be a mom, a dad, a grandparent, uh, a sibling, could be an uncle or an aunt. Uh, When we get this kind of news, uh, and it can be potentially devastating. Uh, In in our case, um, for my son's family, uh, his father-in-law, a year prior to my wife getting cancer, had very significant uh, throat and thyroid cancer and had to go through surgery. And at that point, my son's wife and my son made the decision not to tell their kids a lot until they kind of knew what was really happening. They didn't want to put undue stress on them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of made that decision a little bit when Jan was first diagnosed with cancer. Well, let's let's make sure before we say anything, we know what's really going on. And, you know, there was some wisdom in that. It took us two, three months uh, to figure out what exactly was happening. We went everywhere from this is, you know, it's not survivable to, uh, yeah, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so to force the kids to go through that uh, volley of emotions wouldn't have been appropriate. So, But every family's different. And, of course, every child is different. Uh, And uh, there are those illnesses where our children then have to actually walk through the dying process with grandparents or whatever. So this is a really big topic, but it's really about how do we help our kids deal with these real life issues when a loved one becomes significantly ill for a period of time or even uh, over the course of time where it will lead eventually to their death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think you're more an expert than I am on this topic, but uh, right, because you're living it. I, I I do have a few thoughts in terms of, you know, sort of research based and some good psychology here. The uh, yes, it seems very wise to wait until you you actually know what's going on. Um, So rather than a kind of quick reaction to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's embroiled in it. It's it's great to wait, especially if the kids are younger and can't uh, understand a lot. The the powerlessness that that the adults feel you know, the powerlessness uh, and the uncertainty, the sense of unknown um, that they're going through with the disease, um, that that uncertainty and, and um, a sense of the unknown, I think ultimately has to be talked to the kids about and mm-hmm. sort of admitted. And uh, first, of course, describing what it is, educating them on what cancer is and and making it a like, okay, we're going to go on a website. We're going to go look at what do cancer cells look like? 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that science is very helpful uh, if the kids are at any age at which they can understand that, because I think it helps them to go, okay, that's what this is, so that it doesn't stay in the realm of the pure unknown, right? right. It comes into the realm of, okay, I, I see what that is. Okay, that's inside grandma. So we're going to say grandma just because of Jan. That's inside grandma. Okay, and then here are the medicines they use. Um, uh, and I think they, to be honest about the uncertainty and the unknown mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and, and then about how the parents, cause part of what the caregiver, the person who's sick and the caregivers, what they have to do, right. Is they have to make peace with that unknown and they have to live one day at a time because right. there isn't there, if, if they're going to function well, you know, um, they have to move to a one day at a time kind of living. Um, uh, right. They always go through on that date. It's going to be over. Right. So two months from now, this will be over. So we're living for two months from now, but then there's another test. And as you know, and then it's like, well, it's sort of over, but no, it's not really over. Right. And then there are the days in which the person does better, does worse. And so that to be on the long journey with the kids and the one day at a time, um, also can pass less stress onto the kids, you know, the little kids, like they, they can see that you're, the adults are living one day at a time. The adults are making peace. The adults are doing their best and we can do that too. Um, and then also they, I think they need a role. I mean, I really think mm. it's so important to give each child or all the children a role and say, well, so here's your, you know, here's what grandma needs you to do. Or, or grandpa, we won't stay with one right. person. Grandma or grandpa needs you to do, you know, can you do that? Can you, could you read to, that, that would be really, you know, to me, it's like sacred work. Um, could you read to her or to him? Mm-hmm. Um, could you make a craft for him or her? You know what I mean? And, and it's yep. going to be a thousand things. Um, so that they have a role and that they feel that they're involved and helping Um uh, because their natural sympathy and empathy, I mean, it's just going to be constant inside them. And right. then they don't really know what to do with it. Um, but if they have a role, I think that can help. Yeah. That's really uh, insightful. And of, of course, we we know, you know, kids of all ages, some more mature than others, some deeper thinker than others. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's a certain age where these kids, like with our grandkids. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, we've got a little five, six-year-old. She she knows grandma's sick, but what that means for her is grandma dying. That's about the only thing ah, that she can get yep. into her head because she had a dog that died. Yep. And that's sort of her touch point. And, you know, to assure her, uh, I mean, the reality is, yeah, someday grandma will die, but that's not what we say. Uh, but to say at this point, no, she's going to be okay, but she's going to be very, very sick for a while uh, on and off. Um, so we, we know that our kids are sort of all over the place. But one of the things we often say is kids are resilient. Mm-hmm. They'll be okay. Uh, and I want to tease that out with you a little bit based on some experience we had when our when Jan's mom died. Uh, and she had cancer for a year. She was in and out of surgery. Uh, Alicia, our daughter, was seven. I think Mike was five. And um, we probably didn't process it well with them, right? Jan's going through her own stuff. And, you know, that the insights that you just gave were really helpful. Uh, but I remember a, a few months after uh, Jan's mom died, uh, we were just having the hardest time with Alicia and we walked down to her bedroom and she was just crying hmm. because she was in such grief over grandma. And Alicia, who's in her forties now still looks back at that and said, that really had uh, a profound traumatic uh, impact on my life. And so even though we say kids are resilient, uh, what do we really mean by that? And, and are they really resilient? Do we need to do be more cognizant of helping them through their grief? which I mm. think you're suggesting the answer is yes. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, we always are striving, right? I mean, yeah. especially in our era now, we are all striving to help young people to process this, these myriad feelings they have that only in the last, who, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I don't know what, we've, we've become concerned with, right? Yeah. I mean, 100, 200 years ago, life was harder. There, there just wasn't time. The adults couldn't really help the kids process things uh they of course tried their best but but now we have this almost luxury of helping our kids process what they're feeling and and it is a very neat thing so we should absolutely yes do what we can to help them process and and i do think they are resilient um and and to some extent in terms of of death in terms of dealing with the death of, of an elder um and to some extent that resilience maybe can get fomented or supported by the resilience of the adults um, in going through the process and the honesty uh, of the adults and and the exposure of the child to death. Uh, you know, I think, you know, so that it becomes a part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about, so when I was a kid, we lived in India and my, my child childhood attitude toward death, you know, really changed because death was everywhere. Like there was yeah. no protection from death. No family protected their children from death because it was everywhere. Um, people just died on the street and they lay there on the street, you know. And um, and this is in the 60s. India, is, is, things are cleaner now. But um, so so there so death was a part of life. And um, so some of the resilience also will come because death is a part of life and the kids are ready for it um, and are ready for death having religion or having faith, having, having that also helps having the concept, whatever the religion is, obviously, but having the concept that 
this this is a soul that this soul is transforming now uh this soul isn't gone right that you can't only energy can only transform right it cannot be destroyed so this soul is transforming and of course in our language going to heaven is probably mm-hmm. what we would say um what Christians would say, Jews, unfortunately, don't have a heaven. So for us, it's like, you're gone, you're gone. But yep. for Christians, you can say, you know, there's heaven. So, you know, I think that also helps. Of course, mm-hmm. it helps. And and having the ceremonies helps. And mm-hmm. helping the kids go to the memorials, like not just the memorial for this one person, my grandma, uh, but go to memorials, take kids to memorials, you know, once every couple of months at the church. Or, or something so that by the time they're seven or eight, they've gone to so many of these and, and seen the experience of those feelings in others that when it happens to them, they're also more prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Because death hasn't been hidden from them. So th- th- these are a few thoughts. I don't know how, yeah. how does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, good. Yeah. I, and as I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, sort of what, what we've been going through I, and all families go through these kinds of grief moments. How do how do parents? Let's say uh, you've got your you're a parent, you've got children at home, but your mom or your dad is now very very ill. Mm. So you got all your own stuff you're trying to process, your own grief, your own fear, um, whatever regrets there might be, all that stuff that comes when uh, someone you love is is sick, maybe dying. So you've got all of that. How do you? How do you process that? How much of that do you process with your kids? I know some of it, again, will depend on how old they are. But uh, are there some things that parents want to keep in mind as they're dealing with their own grief so that they're not imposing it on their kids, but they're letting their kids at least into it? Uh, Yeah, and that's going to be case by case. Absolutely. As you said, that's going to be organic between the parent and the child in terms of what the child's maturity level is, what the relationship of the parent, not not the dying grandparent, I'm going to say, but the parent, the sandwiched, the sandwiched parent, right? That parent has with the children and the child, etc. So that's case by case. Uh, And and, um, I'm just a real believer, if it's possible, to be honest and Mm. I remember with my kids, again, if it's possible, if it fits for this relationship and these kids, um, when my mom, uh, so as you know, my no, my dad just passed away a year ago, so my kids were grown, but my mom passed away like 13 years ago and my kids were, you know, still in the home. And mm-hmm. um, I had a really problematic relationship with my mother. And so, uh, as I've shared here, so when I went, you know, I would go down there, uh, they were in Santa Rosa, and I would go down there, you know, and and be with them. And I mean, it would, it it just was very difficult. And then I would come home and the kids knew that she was dying and I would come home and it was clear that I was like in an altered state, you know? So I I would, I just would explain to them. I had explained to them all through their childhood. As soon as I felt they were old enough, I said, okay, now this was what happened in my family. We're not going to have this in this family. Right. But in that family, we had this abuse and that abuse. And, you know, and so I was always honest with them. And and so when they came, when I came home from these visits to my mom, which were which were very difficult, uh, I, I would just say to them, you know, okay, make sure to stay away from me for a while because I'm really <laughs> triggered right now, and um, you know, and here's why, and here's what happened, and this is what she said to me, and this is how I felt. So to, to try to so that they're not outside of my emotive experience, um, having to make their assumptions 
because one of the assumptions they'll make, because I'll lose my temper with them or I'll, I'll be harsh with them or whatever. And the assumption they're going to make is, um, you know, uh, he doesn't like me. Right. Right. He, he, it's about me, the child, because he just got mad at me or whatever. And I, and I would say to them, cause that's my thing is I get, I have a little hair trigger temper. So when I'm under stress, like, you know, so I would say, okay, this is not you. Remember, this is me. This is what's going on. My mom's dying. This is triggering me. And, um, so I'm sorry about that, but that wasn't you, you know, so mm-hmm. being honest with them, I'm a real believer in being honest with kids if they're old enough. Um, but again, case by case basis. Yeah. Cause there, there is so much when, when it's our parent uh, or someone we love uh, is going through that process and, and let's, let's put the spin on it that this is a really good relationship, right? Mom and I'm close to my dad or I'm close mm, to my yep. mom and they're dying and um same kind of triggering can happen right you mm, yep. you're in that grief and so you may express it in being short tempered uh you may express it in just sort of withdrawing uh or just all of a sudden out of the blue you start crying yep. and you know these are all really strange things for our kids to see because we're not normally like that and for to help our kids i think that's so wise to help our kids understand, all right, the reason why I'm crying right now is because I'm sad that, that my dad's dying. Um, and that's okay. It's okay because I love him so much and I'm going to miss him, but this is a part of life. I, all of that stuff that you're saying seems so wise. Uh, what are some things that we should look for in our kids that, and we've talked about this many different occasions and different, uh, reference points, but what are some things that we should look for in our kids to suggest that maybe they're not dealing with the grief uh, in healthy ways? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we usually, you know, we give this list, uh, okay, withdrawal, and you just hinted at that withdrawal, Mm -hmm. pulling away. So if there's, if they're withdrawing from us, uh, isolating, uh, becoming lonely, you know, withdrawing, um, that's, that's potentially an issue. It could be from something else, but it could be that, um, you know, that this trauma that we're experiencing, we who are sandwiched, is starting to pass to them and it's not getting processed. And so they're just withdrawing from the trauma. Um, another is, of course, anger. We both just hinted at that. You know, I call it the hair trigger or anger or uh, overreaction is probably, mm-hmm. you know, I as the sandwich person am now overreacting to things um, because of that stress. So uh, we can then see them overreacting, you know, so the kids are going to start overreacting, but right. to some extent it's because, you know, they're taking things personally they're um, et cetera. And uh, so that can include the third thing I would say is just anger. Like if we see them being angrier than usual, throwing more temper tantrums, this is going to depend on their age, but throwing more temper tantrums than usual. Okay. Then, then the stress is passing because what's really happening is the stress is passing from us into them. Um, now they will have some of their own stress if they were close right. to that grandparent. Right. So, right. Okay. So then they have their own stress because they were close. And then as ours, uh, they will have that stress. They may or may not have that stress. Let's say they do. Then they also have our stress passing on to them. And so now they have this double hit of this stress. So it's just not unlikely that they're going to defend by being angry or, um, get lonely in the trauma and pull away. And if we, if we see that, you know, um, we're talking about the, the signs of trauma. These are the basic signs of trauma that you always look for in your kids, like hypervigilance, hypervigilance, always vigilant, um, uh, withdrawal, anger episodes, um, 
just know that, okay, they, they are in trauma now. And so we're going to give them help for the trauma. And it, and that may mean that, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with the sandwich parent going somewhere else, you know, taking two or three days off mm. and going somewhere else for two or three days, especially once they realize they're passing the trauma into the kids, because the parents don't have a choice either about the trauma. So the sandwich right. parent has got to go through that and yep. then come out the other side. Um, it's not as if it's a flaw in the parent, you know, right? It's, right. it's trauma. And yep, uh, right. you, you can't, you know, it's like war. You cannot say no to that trauma. That trauma is coming. And um, so if they need, if the parents need to take some time away or get immediately get into counseling so they have someone else to talk to um, uh, so that they can process their trauma, uh, they should do that and not feel guilty at all about that. Right. Now, you've already hinted at this, and I, I pretty much know your answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. You've got a, let, let's say let's say grandpa is has had cancer for a number of months. Uh, he is now to a point where his health is failing quickly. He doesn't even really look like grandpa anymore. Um, it's a little frightening to walk into that room. Yep. Um, how do we help our kids? Uh, I'm guessing you're going to say they really need to see grandpa like that. Maybe you won't, but yep, uh, yep. you know, what do we do with our kids to help them through? Uh, that could be really traumatic for a, a child. It's traumatic enough for the for the, the the son or the daughter seeing their mom or dad like that, right? Yeah, I I would say my advice is always to families in the situations. Unless your child, so the case by case part of this is unless your child has a a disorder of some kind mm-hmm. and the counselor or your practitioner is saying, you know, don't because of this behavioral disorder or this disorder, don't, don't take your child to see the dying parent. Okay. If the, if the professional says that, then that's going to bracket out from what I'm saying. You got to believe that. But in general, let's say not in that category. Um, I think it is really important for the kids to uh, be with the dying person and uh, see it and process it. And for us as parents to help them with, you know, this is what, this is what dying looks like. This is what death looks like. This is how the soul leaves the body as the body shrinks, as the soul is leaving the body, right? Some of that, you know, the soul is shrinking. This is my language for it. Anyone could use whatever sure. they want, but this is what I said to my kids as the, as the, as the person is dying, the soul is gradually leaving the body. The thing we sometimes think is that when the person dies, the soul leaves the body. That's it, right? The soul was completely in the body until. 81 years old on this day when he died or she died, and then the soul leaves the body. So my approach with my kids was always, no, it's actually leaving the body. The light is leaving the body gradually through the illness and and now through dying. So um, that's what's happening. So so that's how I explained it to my kids. Anyone could use their own explanation. Um, uh, Something to help them so that they're in it, you know, and they're watching it and they're feeling it. And saying to the kids, we really want you to feel uh, sadness and empathy. And I want you to feel these things because they're real for you. And you get to have these feelings, you know. And and then and then always, like when I'm capping it off with them, I'm saying to them, and remember, that person who is dying, that person is dying for you so you can live. Always think about the people who are dying. They die so that you, the next generation, can live. So you need to live with purpose. And Mm. if this person were able to tell you this, like, like with some of my parents, their voices went like they couldn't talk in the last number of weeks. So, but, um, 
and my mom couldn't talk really for about four, four or five months. She was on morphine. So, so I had to fill it in and say, you know, she would have said to you, live with purpose, right? Mm. Cause she's dying. So you can live. So kind of contextualizing it spiritually for mm-hmm. them. That's how I have tried to approach it so right. that there is a spiritual justification, um, for the kids being being there. But am I saying the child should every day go and see the dying parent? No, I would not say that. They have okay. to live their own lives. And that's right. something that I think all people who are dying would say, you know, unless they are massively narcissistic, you know, <laughs> they would say, hey, hold on, you don't have to come here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I want you mm-hmm. to go live your life, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's universal. And the kids, you know, we need to say to the kids, believe that. Grandma, you saw grandma today. You don't have to go tomorrow. She would like you to go live your life. Good. Well, this has all been so helpful. And of course, with with Jan and with me in the middle of that stuff, um, it was interesting once Jan was able to, um, we were able to see the grandkids uh, for the first time after they knew. Um, we, We had three of them of the five and we just, we were about to eat, and I said, "Do you have any questions for us about Grandma's illness?" And the response was kind of interesting. They all sort of put their heads down and said, "Nope, we're good." And you know, I sort of got the sense they don't really want to talk about it. They just want to enjoy Grandma right now, and uh, they've got enough information, and that's good, right? So right. if our kids don't want to talk about it, fine. Uh, and they've all done, you know, really well. Uh, managing Jan's, you know, when she's on chemo, we just, you know, grandma's not available. And when she's off, then she's available. So um, I I know that we've got all kinds of our listeners who have either been through this or they're going to go through it. And uh, so I think this will will be really helpful. Yeah. 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 That's universal. Yep. Yep. Thank you so much. As always, great stuff. This is an award-winning podcast. And it's an (laughs) award-winning because... I say it's an award-winning right. podcast. You're the, right. Yeah. Yep. You own the so, award. Well, thank yep, you we'll because you, yep. you telling your story bravely and talking about it. So thank you. You really. Yeah. 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 yeah appreciate our that. love to you. And, and for those who are wondering, yes, my wife's cancer is treatable, not curable. And um, which means she's going to be able to live a normal life for as long as she lives her life and, and probably not going to be the cancer that takes her. So we're grateful for that. So, mm-hmm. All right, we'll be back with you next time, folks. Remember to go to wonderofparenting.com for uh, our sponsors, if you want to check them out, for resources that we have for you. And if you're not a part of the Wonder of Parenting community on Facebook, just do a search of Wonder of Parenting on Facebook. Hit the I want to join button, and I will let you in as soon as I get the notification. Uh, Over a 1,000 people there sharing their questions, sharing their parenting insights. And uh, it's a it's a good site if you'd like to uh, have more information and uh, a, a community of support there. So thanks, everybody. Mm. And we'll be, we'll be back with you for the Wonder of Parenting podcast next time.